Welcome to your Sunday Reader. Today we'll be discussing the readings for the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time, 2010. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the one who trusts in human beings, who seeks his strength in flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a barren bush in the desert that enjoys no change of season, but stands in a lava waste, a salt and empty earth. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted beside the waters that stretches out its roots into the streams. It fears not the heat when it comes. Its leaves stay green. In the year of drought, it shows no distress, but still bears fruit. The Word of the Lord. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Blessed the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor walks in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of the insolent, but delights in the law of the Lord, and meditates on his law day and night. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. He is like a tree planted near running water that yields its fruit in due season, and whose leaves never fade. Whatever he does prospers. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. Not so the wicked, not so. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. For the Lord watches over the way of the just, but the way of the wicked vanishes. Blessed are they who hope in the Lord. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how can some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If the dead are not raised, neither has Christ been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain. You are still in your sins. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are the most pitiable people of all. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on the stretch of level ground with a great crowd of his disciples and a large number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. And raising his eyes toward his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you, and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven. For their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. The Gospel of the Lord. Hello and welcome to your Sunday Reader. This is Father Brian, and again I am flying solo. Seems to be becoming more and more frequent these days, but hopefully you'll still 
stay tuned and listen to some of the things that I have to say about these readings. One of the things that really struck me in the readings is this image of Mother Teresa. And you might be saying, Father, how do you get that? I'm not seeing it here. So let me explain it to you. In the first reading, we have this reading from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah talks about, Cursed is the one who trusts in human beings, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. I don't know how many of you are real familiar with Mother Teresa's story, but one of her experiences that she had was one of having a great message from God to go and start this religious community, which indeed she did. But then something that her spiritual directors have recorded that many people might not know about is that after that point, she went through this desert experience. And what I mean by that is an experience where she was not feeling God present in her life. You see, she had this strong experience of God when she was in her in the Carmelite community and then when she was called to form her own community and as she started this up. But then all of a sudden it was like God had abandoned her and she felt this kind of drought experience. And she said that lasted with her from pretty much the rest of her life. But she kept persevering in the work that she was doing. Now, why I said this, these readings remind me of that is listen to the words of Jeremiah the prophet here. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. He's like a tree planted beside the waters that stretches out its roots to the stream. It fears not the heat when it comes. Its leaves stay green. In the year of the drought, it shows no distress, but still bears fruit. Now, doesn't that sound an awful lot alike, a lot like what uh, Mother Teresa was experiencing there? In the year of the drought, it shows no distress, but still bears fruit. You see, people who were not her spiritual director, like most of the world, um, understood Mother Teresa as doing the work of God. And I think we just all kind of assumed that she took great joy and consolation from God and must have gotten all sorts of blessings to be able to persevere in the ministry that she did. But what we've learned since then is that most of her life was a drought. She didn't feel that close to God. She didn't really feel that she was being, let's say, affirmed in the work that she was doing by God. She didn't feel the presence of God. And yet, her work still bore fruit. It was still constantly there. It was that witness that the rest of the world saw and said, oh my goodness, this person is a living saint when she was still alive. And now, of course, I think many of us say that she probably will be canonized as one of the great saints of our church. And of course, that great work that she did, one of the ways that we judge how a work, how effective a work is, is by its fruits, of course. And here we have the Beatitudes, really, which can serve kind of as that criterion for us to say, you know, how effective was she really? And I think when you read these Beatitudes, Mother Teresa just screams out. Her, her example that she gave just comes popping to mind. Blessed are the poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are the hungry, the weeping. These are things that Mother Teresa encountered in her daily life in Calcutta. The hungry, the poor, those who mourned, those who were weeping. And what we have to remember is that we are blessed when we experience these things. Now, this is not to say that we should all sit here and say, oh, isn't it wonderful to be poor and everything. No, God isn't trying to make us a people who are poor, or we don't want to make it sound patronizing, because certainly that's not the point of the Beatitudes, is to patronize people who are going through real suffering in the world. What they do remind us, though, is that God has not forgotten. 
God has not forgotten about these people. And their suffering does not go ignored by God. He will take care of them, whether it is in this life or the next life. As Christians, what I think these readings remind us is that we are called to take care of them in this life. We are called to take care of the poor. We are called to take care of the hungry, of those who weep. We're called to comfort them. We're called to preach the gospel, even if people insult and hate us for doing it. We're called to give people the truth. And that's really an important thing, because so often in our world, we're afraid to do these things, especially that last one, I think, that, that giving the truth and being able to say, stand up for what we believe, even in the face of persecution. So often, we'd rather just make religion a private thing so we don't have to go out and proclaim it. And certainly, it gets difficult when we have to proclaim it to people who we know hold different values than us or different ideals than us. And that becomes really apparent in our society um, in many different ways we see it. We see it certainly in the materialism of our society where we're called to help the poor, and yet we have all these wonderful material things that distract us constantly, but also that seem to be a good by our societal standards. Our society will tell us that, you know, you should want these things. The good life is to have all these possessions and no worries, okay? And yet we're called to something different. We're called to take care of the poor is what Jesus tells us and to stand up against these values that say, you know, keep on buying stuff or let's get uh, overly worried about this issue or that issue. Same thing with many other issues in our lives. It's not just materialism. We see it in terms of sexuality and how our sexuality is used. We see it in terms of just how we publicly proclaim our faith. So often, People don't want to talk about God or we're told, don't talk about God. Don't tell me what your religion says because that's your opinion, as if religion is a matter of opinion and not something that binds our entire life together. Now, of course, as Christians, we are bound together by Christianity. This way of life binds everything we do together. And so it should be the lens through, as I like to say, through which we see the whole world. The word religion itself means to bind, and it means to bind everything in our world together. We're trying to put everything together in a system, and that system is our religion. And of course, that means that, like I always say, it's the lens that we should view the entire world through, really, is these gospel values and preaching the gospel. That should come first. We shouldn't have it as a background thing, but it should be something that's in the foreground that people can look at us and know we are Christians. And it has to come not only by the good deeds we do. Certainly we're called to do good works, but so are all people. I mean, you see people who are atheists can still do great works. We see this certainly in the situation in Haiti going on right now. There's many people who are going there because their faith has impelled them to go there. There's also people who go there just because they see human suffering and it might not have anything to do with their faith. They might even be atheists, let's say, but they just feel this need to help people. But what makes Christianity unique is that we do this based on our faith. It's our faith that leads us into these actions. And as we do these things, we need to do them in such a way that we are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, it's one thing to go and to feed somebody and just give them a bowl of soup or a sandwich or something like that. It's another thing to be with them and to let them know that the reason I'm doing this is because my faith is what compels me to do it. 
My faith has called me to be into this relationship with you. My faith has taught me that the poor are the blessed, that the hungry are blessed, that those who are mourning are blessed. These are important things for us to remember because so often we like to move them to the background where we don't have to worry about them. Then, of course, we have the series of woes that Jesus gives, too. And woe is never a good thing, as I always say. You know, you don't want to hear Jesus say woe to you. And he does tell us, woe are you who are rich. Woe who are you who are hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. For you will grieve and you will have your fill right now in this earth. What that's a strong reminder of for us is that we need to really pay attention to what we have. I think. Certainly, it's not tell- Jesus isn't telling us that we should starve ourselves to death. That, that's to miss the point. But what he is saying is, if we're sitting here in the state of gluttony, where we've got all this wonderful food, and we're not sharing it with anybody, well then, yeah, woe to us, because this is going to come back to haunt us in the judgment. If we're sitting here as this wealthy nation, and we can't help nations that are in dire need of resources when we have so many, then yes, woe to us because that will come to haunt us when we have that final judgment. In other words, this whole Beatitudes that we've heard today, this whole gospel account is something that we really need to take to heart. This idea that we are preaching a message that it is the poor who are blessed. It is the meek, it is the lowly who are blessed. And those of us who are rich, who so often put it under the guise of we need to count our blessings, well, we do need to count our blessings, but we also need to learn that there's a serious admonishment if we put our faith in our material possessions and in our wealth. And we need to be very careful of that. And we need to find a way to share that with other people so that when we do experience the judgment, that it does come to us in such a way that what we have done with our wealth has been accountable and shared it with those who are needy. Well, I hope you got something out of this conversation today. Hopefully you'll join me next week on your Sunday Reader. Have a good week. God bless.